It's a show starring the only puzzle harder than finding human connection. Watchbots. Welcome to WatchBots, the podcast that keeps on keeping on. This is Ben, and I'm here with Shailen. Hello. Dave is unfortunately on assignment, and since it's a quote-unquote holiday week, everyone's busy, so it's just me and you. Indeed. It's a problem. Because all we do is talk to each other all day, every day. I know, the usual Jay Leno banter, it feels forced without a third person because we've been literally breathing each other's air 95% of the time between March and now. It's true. So it's a problem. So the episode will be a little loosey-goosey here. It's going to it's going to be it's going to be a little different. To that end, I went to glamour.com, the official website of Glamour magazine. Okay. And Pulled up five first date icebreakers. Oh, great. So I figured we could start with this. Because I don't know about you, but feeling a little dull lately. So I thought this could help kind of rekindle the spark. Wow. Set us up for a good episode. 15 years later and he's bored of me. We'll see how many we get through here. If you were a character on Friends, which one would you be? The angry barista man. Okay. What was it, that guy's name? Gunther? Gunther. Rachel. It'd be Rachel. Yeah. Rachel. (laughs) Wow. Great hair. Great hair. Love Mm -hmm. it. Number two, what's your favorite song to sing in the shower? My favorite song to sing in the shower is very nerdy. And you're going to make fun of me. (laughs) What song is that? Very nerdy. I've never heard of it. No, it's the song from um, Calamity Jane, the movie with Doris Day. (laughs) What the fuck? I sing it a lot. Sing it now. Once I had a secret love who lived within the heart of me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because you can really yell if you want. It's a power song. How about you? Radiohead Creep. (laughs) Number three. What was your favorite book when you were young? Island of the Blue Dolphins. (laughs) What? Okay. She was so self-sufficient. Okay. Sure. That makes sense. For me, it was either Indian in the Cupboard or Trail of Tears. I don't know Trail of Tears. Trail of Tears, uh, a a harrowing historical tale. Oh, God. (laughs) It's exactly what it sounds like then. That's what you're telling me. Yeah, there were many tears. Number four, what is the weirdest thing that ever happened to you? You know I don't have an answer to that question. Like, my entire life (laughs) is bizarre interactions with human beings. When, When I was a baby, some nuns kidnapped me. From my dad. Okay. Because they wanted to baptize, they wanted to christen me. They were Catholic, and my mom freaked out because we're not Catholic. And she thought that if the nuns christened me, that the Catholic church was going to bang on our door every Sunday to make sure that I was going to church. Uh, nuns are forbidden from banging. Anyway, how about you? What was the weirdest thing that's ever happened? Uh, that to is you? a great question. I wasn't expecting it. Um, shit. What is the weirdest thing that ever happened to me? 
one time I was going to a concert mm-hmm. um, and I worked at a grocery store at the time. Maybe this isn't weird, but I saw the drummer. So it was, I was going to see Green Day and I saw the drummer for the band riding around on a bike before and nobody believed me, like just random strangers because mm. I was by myself. But then uh, I was getting ready to be frisked and I remembered that I had a box cutter in my pocket. So like I frantically hid it in my sock um, right before I get frisked. <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed, you know, I was going to be arrested or something if I went into the concert with a fucking box cutter from work. But as it turns out, at the like the pre-band or whatever, the opening act uh, was another punk band, and people were throwing like batteries into the mosh pit. So, oh, good. I don't know. Maybe that's not that weird. When my parents went to see the Rolling Stones in the seventies, mm-hmm. they parked the car and they were walking, and they saw Mick Jagger walking toward them. Right. And my dad was like, oh, my God, that's Mick Jagger. And my mom was like, no, it isn't. And then they found out later that it was indeed him. He had just oh, done a radio shit. interview. I think that that was the way it went. Maybe it was the parents. I have them reversed. Anyway, one of them told the other one they were stupid for thinking it was Mick Jagger. And then mm-hmm. they both missed out on an opportunity to meet him in person. What was that song of the Rolling Stones? <laughs> I don't know why I'm thinking of this. In the mid 90s, where they were like bummed out, but Mick Jagger was really tall. He was like Godzilla tall and he walked around the city. Uh, anybody see my baby? Bridges to Babylon. <laughs> Listener, set us up if you want to confirm that hashtag. Anybody see Bridges to Babylon? Yes, that is that song. It's going to be a singing episode. Now, here's the last icebreaker. All right, break if, this ice. If you won a million dollars, how would you spend it? And again, this is the question, not me. Charitable donations are not an option. Oh, they're not an option. This is the most capitalist question there is, apparently. I would omit a bank from purchasing a house i would just buy it in cash Mm -hmm. and the rest of the money would go into some kind of high yield savings account and i would vacation once once it was safe i think Mm -hmm. maybe buy a roller coaster roll one roller coaster which one the thunderbolt i don't think well i don't know what that is but i don't think you can buy a roller coaster for a million dollars no that's my my thought not even like an old rickety wooden one yeah, but what would you do with it at that point? Have it in the yard. Yeah, but you can't ride it. Why not? Insurance. It's my insurance. <laughs> insurance costs be a million dollars on its own. Are you kidding me? <sighs> in this economy? What would you do with a million dollars, Ben? Shit. What would I do with a million dollars? No charitable. No, well, I mean, obviously. Think about who you're talking to. Either a million tacos or a Batmobile. Can you get a Batmobile for a million dollars? Sure you can. Maybe not like a screen used one. Listeners. Please forgive us for this walk down memory lane. Do you remember that time we saw the DeLorean for sale? Yeah, we've talked about this on the show. Have we? Yeah. Listeners will remember that. It's from our episode. um, Back to the Future. Fantastic Max. Dirty diapers. Do you feel like the ice is broken? Uh, Sure. Do you feel ready to get into this? I mean, three or four more drinks and I'll be ready. Before we, we start, though. Uh, I did see one thing today that I w- would like to talk about, and it's not like reboots. Brr. It's something that actually applies to you in quite a, f- a number of ways. If you Google Dora the Explorer height, mm-hmm. what is your guess for how tall Dora the Explorer is? The cartoon character or the movie character? How tall would you say Dora the Explorer is? Four four. She's five foot two. She's taller than me. Yeah. That's not right. That has to be the movie one with like the live actors. What can I tell you? You look up Dora the Explorer height. You That's see that little bullshit. adorable face? Bullshit. Now, 
that applies actually to tonight's topic. Rubik, comma, the amazing cube. Also five foot two. Because Rubik, a show starring Latinx characters, Mm -hmm. really paved the way for Dora the Explorer. Hmm. And that little bastard Diego later on as well. So That Diego Go is a good show. People don't like Diego, or so I've been told. Rubik the Amazing Cube is a really interesting show. We've talked about shows based on people, mm-hmm. like John Rambo. We've talked about shows based on movie properties, Pat to the Future. Shows based off of TV shows, like Happy Days. Mm-hmm. This is a show based around a toy. But not a show based around a toy, like a cool thing, like Transformers. Right, which goes the other way, which it was toys that were created to have the show around them. It was a toy that existed and was so hot (laughs) that it was decided we have to make a cartoon about this puzzle box. Now, the Rubik's Cube itself, Mm -hmm. created by Erno Rubik, who's a Hungarian sculptor and professor of architecture. Okay. Worked on this thing for years. Got it patented in 1975. Was released to the U.S. in 1980. And because there was nothing to do in 1980, this thing was like fucking Beatlemania. Now, Shailen, you are a well-known lover of Rubik's Cubes. It's true. I am so bad at them. Have you ever solved the Rubik's Cube successfully? Yes, I have. Okay. I'm stunned. How did you do it? I just kept randomly twisting and hoping that it would get there. And eventually, even a stopped clock is right twice a a day. (laughs) I have not only not ever solved the Rubik's Cube, I can't even fathom how one would solve it. It's like between that and like cup stacking. You know what I mean? Like you watch videos on the internet of people doing these things and they're like stacking the cups and they're spinning the cubes and it's just like fucking, it kills me. I don't know. So with a Rubik's Cube, a traditional Rubik's Cube. Right. As opposed to a non-traditional those exist. Rubik's Sphere. I'm aware. Yeah. I'm aware. There's a formula to it. Mm-hmm. I have never gone down the rabbit hole of learning the formula, but I have known people who have. So I know that like, if you have that sort of internalized and you've done it enough times, you can do it really fast by like sure. just flopping it around. But I prefer the challenge and the torture of just sitting on the couch for hours on end. Just fumbling. Just blindly hoping that maybe this time the yellow will go, oh, no, no, now I messed up the blue. Oh, damn it. Now the green's wrong. You in a Rubik's Cube equivalent to Smeagol in the one ring. Oh, yeah. Like you just get like weirdly obsessed with it. It's true. Even though you're not making tangible progress. Uh Uh-huh. This is why I don't like getting into franchises of things because I get weird and obsessive about it and yeah, I have the, to understand it. And the do Rubik's it. Cube franchise of this and uh, this cartoon. Yes. And the two by two Rubik's Cube. But a huge. Five by five. There's the, I saw a 17 by 17 in my research today. Why would you ever want that? I don't even know how you'd hold that. Yeah. It feels like it would be unwieldy. But the Rubik's Cube, again, huge hit. People loved this fucking thing. I had no idea it was that young. I just assumed that was something that had been around for like many generations. Well, four decades is not an insignificant amount of time. Even still. But there were books about this thing. You know, everybody had them. They were little keychains. People loved them. A real symbol of the 80s. Indeed. The American Broadcasting Corporation, ABC for short, was running a cartoon about another hugely like white hot hit, Pac-Man. The Pac-Man cartoon, which we have not yet talked about here. And they were looking for something to match up with it. 
And so they went to Ruby Spears, creators of shows like Scooby-Doo, John Rambo, Force of Freedom, Chuck Norris, Mr. T. And they said, we want a show about the Rubik's Cube, which is fucking wild. And (laughs) with those parameters, I guess the show that they came up with is maybe not that surprising. Let me lay the plot bare. Please. Plot is um, loose Loose. here. It's a cartoon where a wizard is (laughs) riding through the countryside in a stagecoach, which in the 80s seems like a, a normal thing. A treasure chest falls out of the back of his stagecoach and it breaks open in front of three youths, three siblings. It's a Rubik's Cube that has like a fucking knockoff E.T. looking face. Mm -hmm. It has arms and legs despite the fact that it only ever floats and flies. And it has literally every superpower. The legs, by the way, super weird looking, almost like... I don't know what the proper terminology is these days. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm going to say something really offensive now, but like when you think of like an old timey, like sideshow act where someone has extra legs and like a set of them is not, they're not functional and they just kind of dangle. Oh, the old, the old dead leg. Oh, octopus girl. Sure. Like that's, that's what the Rubik's cubes limbs looked like. They just looked kind of like, Shailen, I don't think that that's a real thing that you just talked about. I've looked at a lot of freak shows in person and online. I don't know what Octopus Girl is. I don't think it was called like Octopus Girl necessarily, but like it was, there was definitely like a Barnum and Bailey shtick where someone had like. Is it possible her name was like twin situation? Old four legged Sue. It might have also been a man. All I remember okay. is like the weird dangly baby legs hanging off of the adult body, and it was just very off putting. You know, Johnny Cash told us that boys can be named Sue as well. So. Yes, indeed. Old four legged Sue. Four legged Sue. Listeners, if you've ever seen this wonderful creature that Shailen is talking about. Hit us up. Hashtag miracle of life. So this, that's the concept of the show. Can I intervene for one second on the concept of the show? Because the description in IMDb made me burst out laughing twice when I read it. How could I not let you intervene with such a, a smooth... <laughs> Four kids discover that their Rubik's Cube... No, no, that's wrong. There's only three. I, I'm I'm aware is alive and endowed with amazing powers. <laughs> they befriend the cube and they decide the best use for its powers is solving mysteries. Mm-hmm. When you unlock the cube, like his dog just like unfurls out. You endowed know what I mean? Endowed like, with amazing powers. It's like powers. a puzzle box. Like you unlock it the right way. Yeah. The magic just flows out. Now. Three kids. There is an Achilles heel to this. Because a Rubik's Cube, it's only in its perfect form when it's solved. Right. So when the cube here is solved, Rubik comes out in his weird, freaky voice, and we'll get to that in a second. But every so often, about once an episode, Rubik gets all jumbled up, and he's he gets unfixed, <laughs> and then Rubik, he just turns into a toy. And <laughs> it's a world in which I don't think Rubik's Cubes exist outside of this one, Yeah, as far as I can tell. It's a world in which the most important power is convenience because Indeed. things just happen because they have to. And in that way, it must have been a very liberating show to create. So you have all that, but then you bring in the fucking big guns behind you. You know what I'm saying? The voice of Rubik needed a big character, right? Like Darth Vader, John Paul Jones. John Paul Jones, what am I talking about? James Earl Jones. John Paul Jones is the guy from The Bachelor. <laughs> I was like, that's not...
Okay, we're back. There was a glitch in the matrix. When we left off, um, I had claimed that John Paul Jones from The Bachelor was the voice of Darth Vader. And I will say, as I said moments ago, we're moving. We're trying to drink excess booze, so we don't have to carry all these fucking bottles around. We're trying. It's loose. It's loose. Anyway, so you need star power in your in your show. So who did Ruby Spears get for the voice of Rubik? The one, the only... Can't even find his name. <laughs> Ron Palillo, <laughs> also known as Horseshack from Welcome Back, Cotter. An interesting choice, made all the more interesting when the recording technique for Rubik was to have Ron Palillo talk very low and slow, like he's a brisket, and they sped his ass up in, like in post production. So you don't even get the cachet of having Ron Palillo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not that I would know who the fuck that was anyway. Like, even if you said Horseshack, maybe in 1983, that made more sense. I don't know. Also possible. Horseshack needs a paycheck. Mm -hmm. They need someone willing to do this horribly demeaning character. What? His speech pattern is offensively annoying. (laughs) It's like, we'll get into it, but it's like he's a robot who's being taught to speak. It's like they are... Trying to do a Johnny Quest style minority. It's like they watched E.T. and they're like, hmm, more offensive. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so you got Horshack, right? But also, ABC at the time was partnering with Menudo. So Menudo, again, another big fad, Puerto Rican boy band in the 80s, very young boys. But Menudo would do like commercials and Q&A sessions during the Saturday morning stuff. So demographics, always important. ABC decided that Rubik the Amazing Cube needed to star Latinx characters. So you had the three siblings. You not had, four. Not four, three. So two of them were voiced by actual Latinx um, actors. The third was voiced by the very white man, Michael Bell. An adult man. An adult man known for playing Duke, G.I. <laughs> Joe, known for playing <laughs> Darkwing Duck. And definitely known for being white. So, you know, it was 1983. Things were a little little different there. He tried hard. He, <laughs> he, he said some Spanish words. So you have all this amazing setup, right? A great plot, great cast. <laughs> but what's the problem? Why is this show not fondly remembered? Well, the problem, cartoons take some time. Rubik's Cube was huge in 1980, 1981. This show premiered in the fall of 1983. And wouldn't you know it? Turning like a little cube thing around did not last for three years, not even in the 80s when there was not much to do. It also aired alongside Pac-Man, and Pac-Man also sadly post-peak at that point. Also, Rubik, comma, The Amazing Cube, a fucking horrible show. <laughs> so terrible. only 13 episodes were made, and then it disappeared. Interestingly, the show re-aired on its own in 1985, so even further past peak. But what can you do? <laughs> what kind of filler were they lacking that they were like, break out Rubik? That's Reaganomics for you, you know? Yes. So there's no talk of a reboot, as with many shows that we talk about, where it's like, oh man, fucking Louis Anderson is... <laughs> oh. <laughs> he's filibustering. He's going he's gonna to get that show back. But Rubik's Cubes are still really popular. More variations come out. There's like... 300 million of these things out in the world somewhere. And there are still these huge competitions about who can solve Rubik's Cubes the fastest. 
So there's... <laughs> Which is so weird. There's categories for just solving the fucking thing, right? And the fastest one as of now is three and a half seconds to solve a Rubik's Cube. There's also ones... The competitions are like fastest average of five. So you got to solve a thing five times, they average your time out. Okay. That's five seconds. Solving it with your feet. Oh. 15 and a half seconds. Blindfolded. Fucking blindfolded. Those are the people who've memorized the formula. Yeah. 15 and a half seconds. Single hand, which is an interesting one because you're solving the Rubik's Cube with one hand and in the other hand, you're just cranking. Oh, okay. So there, you get like a double distraction going on there. But Rubik's Cube is still really popular. I have more than one of my own. That's I was going to say in this very house, but it's, currently I mean, half of had, our lives are packed up somewhere. We had to move because there's just Rubik's Cubes everywhere. It's true. Our dining room table is just built out of Rubik's Cubes. It's like in Harry Potter when they go to get the Hufflepuff cup and then they touch things and they just multiply. It's exactly like Axio that. Axio Rubik's Cube. The episode we watched is called Superpower Lisa. Which is notable for being the second to last episode ever aired. Understandably. Also notable for being the only episode to not have Rubik in the goddamn title. <laughs> Every other episode of Rubik is like, Rubik meets the Easter Bunny. I don't think that's a real one. Or Rubik in the Magic Helmet, which is a real one. The writer here, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation. It's that kind of night. Tom Dajnais? Dagonais? Dajnois? This guy is a fucking TV writer, okay? Okay. Wrote episodes of Wacky Races. Great. Lancelot Link, Secret Chimp. I've never heard of it. Scooby-Doo. Okay. Jabberjaw. Both versions of the Harlem Globetrotters cartoon. But this was one of his last credits. He only had two more after this. I was thinking about Tom a lot because there's not pictures of this guy that I can find on the internet. This is either a guy that's like a fucking LSD blown out hippie mm-hmm. or like he looks like Michael Douglas and falling down. Just like the most straight laced <laughs> dude you can ever imagine in your life. Because if you think about guys who wrote the Flintstones, that's what it was. It was like they were sitting in a room smoking. They all had the big horn rim glasses and like crew cuts and they're just cranking out Flintstones. They wore ties so to work. This guy's either that or that, you know? Yeah, there's and, no in between. No. This episode aired on December 3rd. 1983. I sure do wish I know what was going on then, Ben. More of our famous chemistry. Ooh, what were we seeing? It's contextual feeling. Okay, top movies. So you got three here. <laughs> there were more than three movies in the, the movie theater, but these are the three that three I've, I've chosen to talk about, okay. yes. Uh, number one, Terms of Endearment. Okay. Uh, every woman's favorite movie. A movie I've never seen, but I have heard about many times. Is that the one with From a Distance, or is that Wind Beneath My Wings? I have no idea. Or am I thinking of Beaches? Are you thinking of Up Close and Personal? We're going to do... No, no, no. That's giving something to talk about. Terms of Endearment song? Uh, so it turns out I don't think I was thinking of any of those songs. <laughs> anyway, I like that From a Distance song. From a Distance. Number two seasonally appropriate movie a christmas story okay a polarizing movie the thing about a christmas story that always messes with my head is that daniel stern is is the narrator is not the narrator no <laughs> what are you talking about he i always want him to it's be the Gene narrator Shepherd. it's the guy who wrote the books but i always wanted to be daniel stern because i always confuse it with the wonder years it, sure it's, it's like a weird extension theme. of it yeah 
blown my mind here. Daniel Stern. And then he showed up in the sequel, but he wasn't the narrator for the first one. That's right. He was the dad. Boy, the sequel to that movie. Holy shit. It's like 30 years after the first one released, they're like, huh, you know, it'd be cool if we just sort of remade that movie. But the guy we cast for Ralphie, he looks like he's like 25, but like we just combed his hair really severely. I mean, everybody looks uncomfortable. Like all the actors know what a bad movie it is. Yeah. And it's like, oh man, you know, it'd be good if we just redid the same situations. So instead of going to see Santa, what if Ralphie was an elf for Santa? What if, Ben? What if? Well, you can find out. Blu-ray streaming. It's all there. Go to Amazon.com slash WatchBots. I don't think that web address will work, but maybe <laughs> it's worth a shot. Number three, The Big Chill. So, What's The Big Chill? Big Chill is a great crime movie. Okay. It's about chilling. It takes place in an igloo. Cast is made of penguins. I would watch it's the movie you just Happy described, Feet. but I don't think it's real. 1983, also a huge year in fast food. The introduction of the Chicken McNugget. Did they not have chicken at McDonald's before that? Well, they might have had chicken, but they certainly did not have the Chicken McNugget. Weird. That's life, baby. Now let's get into Rubik. This song for this show was recorded by Menudo, pre-Ricky Martin. So Ricky Martin joined the group in 84. This was recorded in 83. So you won't hear Ricky Martin's dulcet tones, but it's still pretty good. On a mysterious night, the queue up here, bringing happy day. So a couple of things about this opening. I would not call <laughs> Rubik magical. I guess he has powers, so he's kind of magical. He's not colorful because the color palette of the show is really washed out. He's certainly not lovable. Well, a Rubik's Cube is colorful. Right, but not this Rubik's Cube. It's This is through a lens. It's fine. Also, the magician... So the magician doesn't show up in this episode, but he's, he's an antagonist in the series. He looks like a mix of Bluto from Popeye and the ship captain... From The Simpsons. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why he's in the stagecoach. The kids are just wandering the lane. They find it. In the end, Rubik introduces himself, and I knew 30 seconds in that this was going to be like a real, a real stinky piece of shit. <laughs> you go into the show here, and it's called Superpower Lisa, and it starts with a mailman, and like he's outside the house of the three kids. Uh, so you have Lisa, you have Carlos, who's the middle child, and you have Ronaldo. Ronaldo. So the mailman hears a show called Power Girl on the air, and he's like, that Lisa. That he loves Lisa. her Power Girl. And it's like, oh, that's kind of a creepy thing for the mailman to know what that girl likes on TV and to hear it and be like, that Lisa, she loves her Power Girl. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> It's weird. I think it's supposed to be representative, like, oh, small town, camaraderie, good, friendly people. Mm -hmm. I was immediately put on guard, and I was waiting for him to become some kind of criminal, because that's what I do. I will say, pretty much all the adults in the show, you could see them as criminals quite easily. So we'll get into some more of them here. So Lisa is, in fact, watching a show called Power Girl. 
a Wonder Woman corollary, vaguely, you know, female with non-defined superpowers. But Lisa decides that she she is dressed up as Power Girl. She's going to use Power Girl's powers to save her dog. And as it turns out, that just means pet abuse. The 80s, folks. <laughs> she jumps down right. toward the dog. And that house is so shoddily put together that every <laughs> fucking shelf in the entire building falls. The floors shake. Windows are breaking. I'm pretty sure. It shakes the entire fucking house. Yeah. It's, and it's not like a gentle shake or like, a oh, somebody tripped and fell and something rattled. It's oh my God, we're going to have to rebuild the entire house that has been shaken from its foundation. It is a real problem. It is, because not only does it shake the house, not only does she hurt her dog, which is truly upsetting, she also upsets Carlos and Ronaldo. So Carlos (laughs) is looking at like a football play sheet on a poster. Yeah. Um, Let's just listen to how they react. Oh boy, with Power Girl Lisa saving the universe again, I'll never learn my team's new football plays. I've had it, Carlos. Me too, Ronaldo. How can I pass my Explorer Scout survival test? <laughs> and it's funny too because Carlos is clearly talking about like the non-union equivalent of the Boy Scouts. Yeah. He in fact has a, a hat on and the Boy Scout symbol for folks who don't know, it's like a fleur-de-lis. So if you're from Quebec, you'll be very familiar with it. Um, if you're a fan of the, the Nordiques, hashtag go Nordiques. But it's just like three shitty lines here. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like two limp dicks around a turgid dick. I thought it looked kind of like a weird hot dog. Nah. It's a, it's a three dick world, baby. All right. So not only that, Rubik is in the room with the boys and he goes fucking flying across the room <laughs> and he almost drowns in let's meet Rubik again because he already introduced himself, but we'll we'll meet him here. Was he happy or sad in that moment? I mean, Rubik is layered. You know, he contains multitudes. I couldn't tell if he was like, Lisa's fun and this is great. I got to go for a swim. Or if he's like angry. I'm not sure what his emotional state was. There's a lot about Rubik that I don't understand. Did the magician make him? Is it a Smurfette situation? Maybe that's explained. I couldn't find the answer. Is he an alien of some sort? Hmm. Do people just accept Rubik? Because like he's flying around like in the open, yeah. but nobody ever seems to notice. Or is he like a, he exists in the imagination of the children or something? There's just so many questions I have, but those are all overridden by just a pure and primal hatred for this character. That is fair. <laughs> he's annoying as hell. He's like that friend that you have. You're having a healthy debate and you're like, oh man, like I like Star Wars better than Star Trek. And then they come in and they're like, well, Star Trek's better and here's why. And here's the, and they give you like these these 17 reasons. And it's just like, there's always an, an answer to anything you say. Mm-hmm. Rubik is a deus ex machina to like a degree I've never seen before. As we go through the episode here, any possible situation where there's tension, Rubik's like, I don't think so. And he just undoes it immediately. And it gets progressively and progressively weirder. So keep this in mind, folks, as we talk through this, that from 15 seconds in, I fucking hated this character. (laughs) Didn't understand it. Don't know what's going on. But here you go. So anyway, the boys are upset. They bring Rubik down the hall to see Lisa and they start flipping their shit on her. Golly, 
a little too rough on her? I don't know. I think I have a self-image problem. <laughs> so the boys are like, listen, Lisa, you're not a real superhero. Stop being shitty. And they literally <laughs> tell her she's not important. Yeah. <laughs> Like verbatim. <laughs> they, they tell her she's not important. They're horrible to her this entire episode. Yeah, there's a lot there. And Carlos immediately feels bad and Ronaldo feels bad, but it's like, ah, fuck it. I have a question for you. Sure. Why do Carlos and Ronaldo have an accent and Lisa just doesn't? Do we have an answer? I, I don't want to get into family histories here. I don't know. I can't speak to that. Okay. that's No, that's an answer. I don't know. Another question I have. Why do they hate girls and women so badly? Oh, puberty. Okay. Carlos is in that pre-puberty stage where it's like, girls have cuties and cooties. And Ronaldo is like, he's a little awkward. You know, you can tell he's got some short and curlies going on, but he's not quite sure what to do with him yet. Oh, weird. Like, do you, do you stuff him in a girl's locker? I don't know. To each their own. No, you don't stuff him in a girl's locker. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> it's not what I was taught Ugh. back in my day, but. This was the 80s. You know, things were different then. So Lisa's now watching television. Uh, there's a break in Power Girl, and a real problem comes up. Something real relatable. As I reported earlier, the giant boulder threatening the Ocean View children's home is almost certain to fall, and the home will be demolished. This is incredible. She's the best <laughs> newscaster of all time. And this is what I'm talking about, right? This show, like every second of it, it's like this exists to get us to the next thing. Like it's a situation that would never happen. Now, there's a children's home, I assume like an orphanage or something, and it's set under a cliff on the beach. Now, first of all, an orphanage would never have that beachside property. That's true. There is a boulder precariously teetering on the edge of the cliff. The kids are outside with the news reporter and who we find out later is like the orphanage owner, even though he calls them all his kids in a really fucking creepy manner. It's a cult. There are no cops. There are no emergency workers. <laughs> Just one single news reporter. <laughs> this situation, spectacular. I loved it. I was speculating that this is an overlooked community and they have to rely on municipal services from a bigger city uh, okay. that ignored them. Because I cannot fathom a scenario in which a boulder is about to fall on any building, but especially a building where children reside, that there would be a zero, <laughs> zero response from any kind of official office. And as we'll find out in a second, another reason there's zero response is because you need to meet the villains, but we'll get there in right. a second. So Lisa is inspired by this, and she asks Rubik, who has so far shown the ability to float around, to give her superpowers to endow her to endow will. her so he shoots her with blue lightning and she looks mildly uncomfortable but then she just flies out the window while carlos and ronaldo look on not terribly shocked she's like oh she just went to <laughs> the beach she goes and now you're now you're off now we cut to the beach and you see the boulder and you have two nefarious dudes now this is cole and like schneck um Oh, it starts with a T. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Tom Selleck and Fojo Pesci. And <laughs> <laughs> when you cast villains... Trask. Trask, thank you. You gotta cast villains with great voices. Did you see that? Power Girl tossed that 10-ton boulder like it was a powder puff. I thought she was just a cartoon. It doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter. <laughs> he sounds like, and maybe he is, he sounds like, to go back to a Christmas story, the guy from the Ovaltine commercial. Yes, he does. So maybe he is. We'll have to look that up. Hashtag, we, we didn't look it up. But Power Girl as Lisa, or Lisa as Power Girl, shows up, picks up the boulder, throws it into the ocean, <laughs> and then she goes down to where the kids are with the newscaster, and she's like, yep, I'm Power Girl. And it's sort of awkward. She's clearly enjoying the adulation. She feels important. That's the whole point exactly. of the episode. She matters. But then the boys show up and pull her away. And act like she's crazy. They act like she's crazy. But before we get there, the reporter is now talking to the orphanage guy who looks like Harry Carey, right? <laughs> and yes, they have accurate. what I would consider an insane conversation. Yep. Let's take a listen. It, it happened so fast, but I could almost swear I saw Power Girl stop the boulder. That's what my children say, but we know it had to be a strong wind or a miracle. I better settle for the wind if I want to keep my job. If I want to keep my job. <laughs> it's like, why, why would her job be in question? Why is this guy talking about miracles? Why would these two be having this conversation? <laughs> it's crazy. So this was one of the few times in this episode that I went, okay, nope, that follows. What? <laughs> what so are you talking about? Here's two adults. Uh-huh. who watch a child with superpowers save the day mm -hmm. inexplicably because superpowers aren't real. And he he's trying to sell that like a miracle. And she's like, well, I can't go on the news and tell people we had a miracle and the boulder just reversed course. Sure. I'll lose my job. People will think I'm crazy. <laughs> We'll just say it was a strong wind that blew the boulder five miles out to yeah, sea. Yeah, just, oh, man, a really weird conversation. And now we have another weird conversation with the, with the three kids. A little less bizarre, similarly inexplicable. And we're sorry about before. It's just that you can't go flying around and using superpowers. I mean, people would talk. Carlos right. Oh, swell. Nothing again. So like they belittle her about using powers and say you can't use them in public. Literally 10 seconds later, Rubik is flying them around yep. all over the fucking place. So he removes her powers. Fuck you, girl child. You can't have powers. However, because Rubik we has can transport sentience, but not like he just does things. Carlos, right. So he removes the powers and then they're like, what was the deal with that boulder anyway? I was really curious. Fortunately, Rubik, who has just proven himself to be an idiot, is the world's greatest detective. Accident? That not accident. It was deliberate? Yes. I prove. <laughs> I feel. Accident? No, not an accident. <laughs> so it was deliberate? Yes, that's what not an accident means, Carlos. <laughs> and then he says, I'll prove it. So he magics them up to where the boulder was. I prove. And they say that like the boulder had been there for 600 years and there's a trail. And he just goes, oh, construction equipment. <laughs> like, what? Rubik, if you knew that, why didn't you say something before? And why didn't you just use your magic to move it the fuck back? Well, I mean, Rubik can't change time, can he? But if he can move a child and give her super was, strength to throw it. I a joke because he changes time in about 10 minutes. I know. It would have been an easy fix to the situation. Anyway. But anyway, another matter of convenience here. <laughs> he's like, construction equipment. Like he's some fucking Yoda or something. You're not Yoda, pal. And you're not Grogu. Indeed. 
I thought they were like, oh man, are there any construction companies around? And of course there's an answer. You big construction machine. The only construction around here is coal construction. Now. Cool construction. Coal construction, not cool. Like Although hashtag, better. you know what? Construction is cool. Hashtag that up. <laughs> so Carlos is what? 10? Yes. <laughs> he just knows the name of the local construction company. I probably couldn't name more than five businesses in our town. It's not normal to know the name of the construction company. I think it depends on how prevalent they are in the town. Like if they are as sinister as this cartoon has made me believe, okay. they're overdeveloping the entire area. True enough. So they probably just see the trucks everywhere. And if That's Carlos fair. can read, which he probably can if he was reading at the beginning of the episode, mm-hmm. then he's probably just seen the signs a lot. This is similar to one of my favorite <laughs> Christmas cinema moments and Jingle All the Way. Um <laughs> Sinbad and Arnold Schwarzenegger are sitting in the bar. (laughs) It's a diner. Right, right. They're drinking coffee, but there's like some kind of whiskey in it. And Sinbad goes, hey, do you know Scott Sherman? And Schwarzenegger goes, yeah, of course, CEO of Sherman Industries. (laughs) And it's just like these conversations that characters have with each other that just, it would never happen in real life. Like, I don't believe that a child knows a construction company. I don't believe that like Sinbad just said that CEO's name. And it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> of course, Sherman Industries. I know like Jeff Bezos. I know Elon Musk. I don't think Bill Gates is a CEO anymore. I know um, fucking uh, Steve Apple from Apple. Um, Steve Apple. Tim Apple from Apple. Tim Apple. President taking him down if you know, you know what I'm saying? They go to the construction site, of course, because w- what else would you do? <laughs> but, but fucking investigate things. And what do they hear, of course, within seconds of getting there? The drill will be perfect for our next accident. We drill a hole in the cliff, then pump water inside. That will cause a horrible landslide nearby. (laughs) And everyone will think it was Mother Nature. Bad man. There are so many things about this. Not even just the way he states it, which Mm -hmm. obviously... If you're a good villain, you're not monologuing like that. However, if they're looking to expand the mall, right, which they are, mm-hmm. causing a landslide is going to make a big mess that they're going to have to clean up. Instead of just being like, hey, we own a lot of land and we can build a new orphanage over there that's not on the ocean. Also, for what it's worth, their original plan to crush the orphanage with a boulder. The fucking alien cube figured it out in like four seconds. Right. And this drill bit it is huge. It yeah. is like the size of a house. If you're putting a fucking drill into the ground and you're pouring water in, seems kind of likely someone's going to figure that out. There are no police in this town. Well, there is a single policeman who is useless. He <laughs> That's is a, true. He is a useless <laughs> we'll officer. We'll him in a moment. So I think that they're safe, right? Like if the only person in town who could possibly bring recourse against them is Mm -hmm. this particular police officer that we meet, they're fine. Their plan is fine. (laughs) It is a fine plan. Except the kids have heard it. And of course, the bad guys have seen them. And now, you know, the the plot's afoot. Yeah. And the boys said to Ribic, hey, Lisa's too small for this. You got to get her out of here. And Ribic just goes up, up and away. And Lisa (laughs) just disappears to the top of the screen. And you're like, huh, I wonder where she went. So now the two bad guys are chasing Carlos, Ronaldo, and Rubik around the construction site. And Rubik puts the bad guys in a cage of lumber, which they break out of easily. And then he sticks them with tar. (laughs) 
On their feet. On their feet? Yeah. And it sounds like this. Robot, do better this time. Fresh asphalt. And the kids didn't get stuck in it. This is getting downright mysterious. When they were standing <laughs> on the ground and yeah. a bunch of trees relocated themselves to hold them in place. Yeah, that's right. That was fine. That's mystery, baby. But once the tar hits their shoes, it is downright mysterious. Mm-hmm. So the boys are able to get away. And <laughs> Lisa, as it turns out, Rubik's place of safety for Lisa was like 40 feet in the air on a construction crane. And somehow the boys are navigating like the beams. Right. It's like fucking Casino Royale where James Bond is he's like running across that building. This is the same exact thing. I wonder if this is where they got the idea for that. I think that. so. I think that's probably pretty likely. Definitely. It wasn't from, from Albert Broccoli. No. No. Broccoli. Good Bro- Italian boy. Broccoli. So the boys decide, okay, we have to go to the cops. Because Lisa's like, we got to take these bastards down. Okay. And she's right. She's right. And they do do that eventually. But they go to the cops. And the cops, interestingly, completely useless. Useless. Lisa said something here, and it may have been the one time I non-ironically laughed the entire episode. Hmm. As future taxpayers, we demand. Oops. And then the cop goes fucking aggro on her. It's it's horrible to watch. It's terrible. It's terrible. It is terrible. So they get kicked out. They go back to their house, and Carlos and Ronaldo say, oh, like we're going to keep investigating. Lisa, why don't you stay home and play with your little dolls? Why don't you stay home and play with your dolls god i really hated these characters so so much so they go off and lisa's like fuck that and she also leaves so lisa goes back to the kids home right and (laughs) the dude is there right like the old dude the 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 lech right and he's like yeah the construction company that's building the mall is throwing us a beach party and no one thought it was suspicious <laughs> because like everyone in this universe is very, very unintelligent. And it's so weird that this dude, it's not weird that he lets Lisa come hang out. It's weird that he's like, oh, she's like a hero to the kids. He has no idea who this child is. It's like, it's just, That's it's how got he a weird, uncomfortable feeling to it. That's how he collected the other kids. They're not actually orphans. They were just like children that he saw in crowds. And he was like, hey, come live at my house. We'll party on the beach. But then all of a sudden, Lisa's about to leave. She's encountered by another character of convenience. Please, Power Girl, please help us. So this is Timmy. Timmy pops out from behind a chair and she's like, hey, Timmy. I was like, who the fuck is Timmy? But he was there in the beginning and he basically guilt trips Lisa into keeping up this charade. Right. to, To keep figuring stuff out. And it's like, Timmy, fucking take it easy, pal. Timmy, solve your own fucking problems. That's right. Do you think it's Timmy from Jurassic Park? Yes. Okay. Now we're at the construction site. Veggiesaurus. And we meet the two best characters of all, the henchmen. Jack and Bug will leave now. That's right. Jack and Bug. Is it Bug? I thought it was Bud. Hold on. We'll let the audio decide. Jack and Bug will leave now. I think it's Bug. Like from Uncle Buck. I thought it was Bud. B- mm. B-U-D, like Hank Azaria in Now and Then. Listeners, hit us up if you think it's Bud, hashtag Bud Light. And if you think it's Bug, hashtag Bug. Do you have any hashtags you want to throw out? I have out? no hashtags. Mm. 
What can you do? Hashtag like he's a brisket. Yeah. Low and slow. <laughs> so Lisa goes to hide in the back of a pickup truck. You know, the classic maneuver. You know, she pulls the Marty McFly and she's like, I'm going to stop, stop Jack and Bug. So she drives away with them. At that moment, Carlos and Ronaldo ride up on their bikes. They see a half inch of cape sticking out and they're like, oh no. Our that must be sister. Lisa. How would they know? That's insane. It's a red piece of fabric. I... And also, it begs the question. Carlos and Ronaldo were going off to do some investigation. Correct. Right? Lisa left after them and went to the children's home. That's right. But She's she more capable than But she arrives them. to the construction site well ahead of when they do. Yes. What were they doing? Being slow. Piddle dicking, probably. Yep. Definite piddle dicking. For sure. Anyway. You can't catch a truck on bikes. No. Or can you? You can't. Or can you? Must help. Must help fast. Wow. Our bikes are flying. You know what had come out recently? Was it E.T., Ben? It was E.T. So they... <laughs> fucking Rubik makes their bikes fly. Whoa, we're the flying. sounds like... A G-grade E.T. song <laughs> as the boys fly across the sky. Originality was not the strong suit of this Hell cartoon. Hell no. Now, Rubik was not in a basket inside a blanket. So I guess that it's a little different, but I don't know. Not he's, that different. He's not wearing a red hoodie. There's a storm coming, of course. Storm's um, coming. But the storm coming actually, it doesn't change anything now that I'm thinking about it, right? Because... The boys stupidly fly into the storm clouds. Right. And this is shown by like, <laughs> it looks like they're just sweating profusely. Like there's not like a cheap rain effect over the screen. It's literally like the boys riding and there's and just water just droplets kind of lying off of them. Yeah. But anyway, so they're in the sky. Lisa jumps out of the truck where Jack and Bug are and she introduces herself. The power girl. How'd you get here? Mine. One of my powers. Now, you might think that I would say, what are these guys, idiots? Did they not know? But they're henchmen, right? So clearly these are not the brains of the operation. Right. So it's very feasible that they didn't understand. Right. I was okay with that in terms of cartoon tropes. Lisa tries to bend uh, like a steel bar, but she's like, ah, I can't. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to damage property. And they're like, oh, fuck, this is Power Girl. We got to get the fuck out of here. But she decides to try to chase them. And then things get a little bit dirty. Oh, no. So she shits herself. And they're like, wait a minute. This is a little girl. <laughs> this is not, not no superhero. Then the boys arrived at the construction site. Now, mind you, this storm was played up as this big thing. But it's it over. It doesn't matter because now it's over. And Rubik sends an amazing gust of wind. So we have a new power. He shoots wind at everybody. So the wind is so strong that it knocks the two big burly dudes backwards and they're holding on to a shed for dear life. Right. It's so strong, though, that Lisa can drop to the ground, walk forward calmly, then grab the back of the pickup truck before she is almost blown away. Well, you see, uh if it had been more difficult, then they would have had to resolve that difficulty. And that's not what this cartoon set out to do. No. (laughs) And it's also strong enough that the boys can like go forward, not blown away, but then they get to the ground and they're like, ah, stop blowing, Rubik. <laughs> so they rescue Lisa. They abandon their bikes and they start to run away. And you're like, okay, 
All right, we got a we got a classic chase scene going. This is a real Scooby Doo. This is a Ruby Spears kind of thing. But then you get to Rubik's fatal flaw, and I was unaware of this at this point because to me it was like Rubik is an amazing cube because he's just always doing shit. Right. Right. What is the problem here? But then Jack picks up a tire and he's like, "Hey, bug, watch this." Rubik, protect. <laughs> He's misaligned. So he's misaligned. Misaligned. Jack throws the tire at the three kids and it hits Rubik. Somehow this jumbles Rubik up. Like the physics of that. Well, you know what? He's not a real Rubik's cube. He's just not. So I guess I could see it. Like a light touch makes him like fucking freak out. So he gets all jumbled, but he's still screaming like unintelligibly and he falls into a well. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. The tire goes over all three kids. So this is an enormous goddamn tire, apparently. It's a construction equipment tire. And what happens is the baddies put the kids inside a shed. So they don't kill them or anything. They're just like, hey, you're going to live in the shed now. They say, let's see how you like the desert. (laughs) And they lock them in a shed. Yeah. This is an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. They're one match away from it. It's true. Yeah. They never found out what happened to those kids. Very sad. So... Fortunately here, these kids are problem solvers. They didn't even need Rubik for this one because Ronaldo gets a tire. Now, I've seen big tires in my day, right? I've been on tire swings. I've been next to big trucks. But tires are fundamentally big round rubber things, not heavy. I mean, they're heavy, but you would need like a lot of force behind them. But somehow the three kids pushing this tire... So you have like a 16-year-old looking pretty burly, sinewy. He's a football player. You got you got that nerdy scout and you got a girl without superpowers. They just smashed through the door of the shed like it was paper mache. My theory when watching is that these three are some of the originators of CrossFit. Okay. And so they really truly were that strong throwing a tire across a room mm-hmm. and that it was, you know, kind of a, a rickety shack, so... Could be. It's the only way I could justify it. But that problem is solved, right? Right. But now they got Rubik down the well, and Rubik can't magic out. He's misaligned. So what do they do? (laughs) Got him! (laughs) They use the old gum and string trick. So Carlos chews a piece of gum. They put it on a piece of string. This is strong enough to grab Rubik and bring him up. I will say... they do that for baby Jessica? They should have done it for baby Jessica. I feel like the gum and string trick is an old wives' tale. There's no way that's ever actually worked. Um, Was gum stronger back in the day than it is now? I could see it working in the very specific instance of, like, thin paper. Okay. Like, you drop a Post-it note, and you have some really ooey-gooey kind of bubble gum. But a Rubik's Cube has some heft to it. Oh, yeah. No, this definitely wouldn't work. Yeah. Well, again, a show of convenience, it works. Carlos... Solves Rubik within four seconds. He's the world record holder. He does something I could never do in my entire life, but he does it. And Rubik is back. And Rubik, before he gets back to the matter at hand, shows that he's picked up some unsavory habits from the boys. And he also belittles Lisa. But Lisa still has problems. Not very cool, Rubik. What a dick. But he gives Lisa the superpowers again. And only Lisa. He doesn't give it to the boys, too, so that they can all do it. The powers specifically only go to Lisa. Why would you give yourself many ways to solve problems when you can limit yourself to a single useless girl? 
whatever it happens. So they go back. So Lisa flies away. Rubik magics to the boys and their bikes back to the original site where the, they're doing the drill fucking stuff. Lisa comes in little convo. So what's it going to be? The police or me? Neither. <laughs> and then you Neither. get, you get a little chase scene. Lisa catches the two main bad guys, uh, Schwartz and, and Ralphie and like scoop shovel. They repeat the thing from earlier. The the two kids capture Jack and Bug inside cement. So it's not tar, but it's the same exact gag. Right. It goes on for a long time. It's it's dreadfully boring. But Are we coming to the best line? But you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What what happened? It feels like something is amiss. And they're celebrating, and Carlos remembers something of great importance. I got a couple of crooks to add to the pile. Oh no! I just remembered the landslide. So you see a landslide happen now, and it destroys the children's home. <laughs> I just, just remembered the landslide. It, like, it is completely destroyed, and you're like, huh, well, that's going to be a problem. But this is the ultimate deus ex rubica moment, because even this, this moment of tension, what you just heard was the water destroying the building. This is the very next thing that happens. All our superpowers, and we couldn't stop it. No, but we can reverse it. I loved that Rubik not only is able to reverse it, but the show is so desperate for your approval. He just goes, Rubik is the best. <laughs> no, he's not. He sucks. Rubik is the worst. Subliminal messaging. Holy if shit. If we say it, maybe children will believe us. And it's just like that cheap animation that they just ran it in reverse. It's just like the water running back up and all is well. And, and that's how it goes. So Lisa goes down and meets her adoring fans one more time, and then she flies back up. And this, thankfully, is the end of the show. <laughs> you get a smooch. You get Rubik turning horny. Uh, I was turning red because I was getting fucking furious oh, at the show. And that is Rubik, comma, the amazing cube. Now, Shailen, yes, would you show this to? A youth. No. Why? Because I have more compassion toward children than that. I don't think a child today would understand a Rubik's Cube. I also don't think that I could handle if a kid started imitating the speech patterns of most of these characters. (laughs) That's true. It's very annoying. It's okay. We can do the thing. We're fine. I'm sad. I'm happy. All of it. It's all just this awful intonation and I hate it. Would you show it to a child, Ben? No. Because I don't think a kid would understand what a Rubik's Cube is. That's fair. And let's go with one to five times you fell asleep watching this masterpiece. All. All the times. <laughs> On a scale from one to five, I would give it That's half a star. Do. Okay. Half a star because it exists and it certainly is something we can talk about. And there ends the positive parts of this show. I'm going to give this a one, if only because it's such a cultural oddity. The idea of this show is really interesting to me. And we've talked about this show on and off for like two years. Yeah. That watching it was just such a fucking hideous disappointment. Yes, it's funny, like how convenient everything is, but it also makes the show very frustrating to watch. Like I said, literally everything here that could be any thought of tension is just cut immediately by Rubik being like, I fix. (laughs) And then he does. And they just move on to the next thing. It's true. 
I can't fathom even how they made 13 episodes of this because I feel like the one we watched, they're all probably kind of like that. Yeah. So. But I'm unwilling to explore further to find out. (laughs) Yes, I will not be watching any more of this. Won't even make the pretense. Now, on to tonight's game. Game. Listeners will know there are three things that I love in this world. White hot toy fads. That's why we talked about the Rubik's Cube tonight. The Price is Right, which is now streaming on Pluto, which is great. And also Sylvester Stallone movies. So what I want to introduce you to oh boy. is a mashup of those three things, right? Okay. It's an avalanche of thrills. You have to hang on because this is the height of adventure. This is neither exactly a Price is Right game, nor is it a Stallone movie, nor is it a toy thing. But it's Cliffhanger 3. <laughs> so Shailen, tonight you'll be portraying the role of Gabe, a hotshot mountain rescue guy. Okay. Your friend... Michael Rooker and his girlfriend, Sarah, are stranded on a mountain. There's been an accident. And you're going to have to try to save them with the power of guessing. So what I have in front of me here is a list of 10 extremely popular toys. If you watch the news, these things, empty shelves, shit like that. Okay. You have to give me the year in which it was released. Oh, no. (laughs) Every year that you are off represents a thread on Sarah's glove. I'm sorry, Sarah. If you lose all 50 threads on Sarah's glove, I I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to have to find out together. But if you save Sarah, if you can be within 50 on these 10, you win. You get a prize. There are two lifelines here. Okay. If you're not sure on any particular one, so you'll have two of these, I will give you the decade. So in theory, that would limit your chance to be super far off, right? This is a game you could win. This is also theoretically a game that could go one question. We're just going to kind of have to see. There's a lot of risk here. So Sarah's life is in your hand. So we're going to start off with a couple of softballs, okay? I'm sorry, Sarah. Number one, the Rubik's Cube. We already talked about 1980. it. 1980 is correct. So we don't even have to get into the, the numbers thing. Nine questions away from saving Sarah's life. All right. Number two, fidget spinners. 2017. You know, there's some production elements to this game, but if you keep getting answers... 100% correct. I can't I can't bring them into play. But you're two for two. Yeah. Sarah's glove completely intact. Number three. The board game Monopoly. Oh, shit. Uh, 19. You do have two lifelines. If you're not sure. 20. 1920, huh? I think Sarah's going to lose some threads here. Here we go. 50, 49, You lost 16 threads. Monopoly came out in 1936. Oh. So a lot of losses for Sarah there. Sarah's down to about two thirds of a glove. <laughs> But that's okay. Like, you're kind of on average. You can be off like five years in any given one. A little more contemporary. The Beanie Baby. Oh, the Beanie Baby. 1996. 33. Off by one year. Was it seven? Or it was five? 1995. Started I- eBay. Big, big times for the Thai company. I just saw today on Facebook. <laughs> Obviously, Beanie Babies aren't really doing much they make like beanie baby kind of face masks 
So they look like Beanie Baby faces? Our child wore one to school the other day. An officially licensed tie one? Yeah. Hmm. That's what I made the Rudolph mask out of. Good company stays good forever. All right, moving on. We're almost halfway home. Sarah is still hanging strong. Ish. The Tamagotchi. Oh, the Tamagotchi. All right, so I remember Mm -hmm. my best friend had an alien Tamagotchi. Mm Mm-hmm. I was supposed to take care of it for the weekend while my family was camping. Mm-hmm. She had kept it on a streak of like 43 days or something. Hold on. Hold on. I got to interrupt. Yeah. She gave you a Tamagotchi to k- take care of while you were camping? Yeah. Her family was doing something else. Okay. And I accidentally killed it on the first night of camping. Sure. And then I spent the rest of the time that we were camping panicking that she was never going to forgive me. Okay. My dog was there. So... 1996. 32. 1997. Ah, so close. So close. But you're doing okay. You're ahead of schedule. Sarah is in pain. That glove's starting to tear. Michael Rooker is upset. He's got a lot of hair. It's very strange. All right, moving on. Something a little more classic. Barbie. Barbie. Ooh. Can I have the decade, please? 1950s. 1950, going back, 96. 1956, Ben. 1956? Yeah. Sorry, Sarah. 31, 30, 29. 1959. Oh. So you saved a few years there. A few, few threads, but it's starting to get a little dicey. It's the first year that Cabbage Patch Kids were huge fucking mungus. 83. Spot on. Yeah. The Nintendo Wii. Oh, man. We were in college. I remember that. My Hungarian friend came to visit. 2006? That is 100% correct. Yes. <laughs> it's like you've cheated. I don't care for that. I didn't cheat. The Furby. The Furby. Sarah must die. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Those things were creepy. Can I have a decade? It was 90s. The 90s. Yeah. You just wasted your last lifeline on that. Shit. 1998. God, stop getting them correct. You're ruining the whole point of the game. I just guessed. (laughs) Fuck. How many choices do we have left? As many as are necessary to get to the conclusion. <laughs> Next up, the, maybe the granddaddy. Well, not the granddaddy. I guess the Cabbage Patch Kid would be. But I think the one most commonly thought of today, the Tickle Me Elmo. Oh. Uh, 97. 28. You have 28 strings left. Okay. And but one toy. Okay. The Nintendo Game Boy. Oh, man. When did the Game Boy come out? When did the Game Boy come out? 1987? 27. 26. And Sarah is saved because it came out in 1989. Now, I did promise you some prizes. Bam! Just like that. That's all there is to it, That's all there is to it. And here's your prize. Are you really gonna fight that wrestler? They're so big. That's all right. It'll be fun. Mind if I serenade you? Do, 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 do. What's your part? 
Rocky gonna wake the baby. I didn't create that. Um, somebody made <laughs> Stallone's farting. What would have happened if I had lost? I don't like much Sarah that much anyway. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. The funny thing about that, Sarah falls to her death, right? She calls for Gabe as she's falling. Gabe is not her boyfriend. Her boyfriend is Michael Rooker, who's in the helicopter, like, right next to them. So weird. It's a weird movie. I don't think I've ever seen past that scene in that movie, ever. Because I always it's, find it, it's like... It's worth watching. It's, it's completely ridiculous. I always get so upset about it. But you've won Cliffhanger 3. Yeah. I'm a winner. On, Suck it, Dave. Onto the mailbag. Even though the man says I can't rage with my pals to bring in the new year, the man can't stop me from getting noise poppers, some bubbly, and noshing on my favorite apps. What party foods do you like the best for New Year's type situations? Yours, Old Wang Stein. Thanks, Old Wang. I love snacks. Sure. So We're talking party snacks. This is really in your wheelhouse here. It's, it's truly my wheelhouse Christmas Eve, it was very low-key. We did not have like a big party, large gathering or anything like that. But I made enough food, enough appetizers to feed roughly 500 people. Mm -hmm. And we will continue to eat them for the next six weeks because there's just that much food. I like a good cheese plate. I like a baked brie. Real big on the shrimp cocktail. Describe baked brie for listeners who wouldn't know what the fuck that is. Brie. Wrapped in pastry dough with jam, baked. New Year's parties in particular, they're the domain of the crock pot snack. Mm. The little mini weenies that you make with like the grape jelly and shit. They're sitting in that sweet sauce and they're all bubbling in there. You Heck use yeah. the toothpick to get it out and you're like, I don't know what's in these things and I'm pretty sure I'm dying, but they're fucking good. You know what I mean? Like a hot cheese dip. Yeah. I Rack of ribs. I really like spinach and artichoke dip, and I'm looking forward to making some buffalo chicken dip. It's a good time a to to experiment. So this wasn't a New Year's party, but Shailen and I one time threw a party where we had an appetizer turkey. We just made a turkey, and it was just there for people to pick at. <laughs> to be fair, that was because we needed room for ice, and the turkey was in the freezer. We had friends over, and we had just bought a deep fryer. <laughs> and we just were putting things in the deep fryer. So it's a good time to experiment and, and try things out. It won't always work, but that's kind of the story of the new year, isn't it? Out with the old and in with the new. You got to do something bold in the new year, but safely and in a mask and in very small numbers and six feet apart and get your fucking vaccine. You do something vaccine. bold, like not accept this paper president. What? Rally together. Stop the steal. You need to stop. That's what the new year's all about, folks. Oh, man. Oh, man. Thanks. Even, even as a joke, it's not funny. Thanks, old Wang. But that'll do it, pretty much. I mean, this will post a little bit after the new year, but what's your new year's resolution? Hashtag. Stop the steal. <laughs> Watch 
Spot's solution? I was asking you in particular. Oh, I thought you were asking our listeners to tell us. Yeah, well, sure. My New Year's resolution yeah. is to bathe. Unlike many months of this year during a pandemic when I spent days and days and days not doing that. You know what's interesting? I was on a pretty good streak for the first big part of this pandemic. You know what I mean? Like I was bathing every day, working out, things were going. Then we started to move and like, I've just become slovenly. You know what I mean? Like my hair is longer than I think it has been maybe ever. Like I don't know that my hair's ever been this long. I haven't like trimmed my beard in like several weeks because nobody at work really cares. When I get ready for work meetings or I have to be on video, like I just slick my hair like with some water. <laughs> um, I bathe every two to three days now. I mean, this is a sad thing to admit, folks, but it's true. Because I'm not like sweating very much, you know, like I'm yeah. just just living. So that's a good one. I'm going to resolve to solve a Rubik's Cube without cheating. Uh-oh. No internet tutorials. I'm just going to solve it natural style. And you'll put me to shame with my many years of attempting to do that on the couch. I've tried for years. I've never been able to do it. Why would I be able to do it now? Oh, I just assumed that you didn't try. When my reflexes are dulled. From all this liquor we have to move. <laughs> it's, fucking, it's daunting. And uh, uh, goodwill towards men. Indeed. And women. To all people. Yeah. And to get a kitten. No. Damn it. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And WatchBots Pod. Uh, other places, too. Subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher and TuneIn and Google. We're on all those things. It's very exciting. We're very exciting people. For Dave, who is out on location on a shoot. For Shailen, this is Ben. Thank you for listening to another episode of WatchBots, the first of 2021. So welcome to a new year, folks. And to welcome you into 2021, there's only one way we can do it. How's that, Ben? It has to be star of screen and vinyl, Ringo Starr, singing Miley Cyrus's party in the USA. And then smoothly transitioning into a Sai Gangnam style. I can't do that. Sure you can. Well, they're playing my song. Indeed <laughs> What? <laughs> I'm nodding my head. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. I don't know why he's just turning into a very proper gentleman yes. tonight. Yes? Moving my hips like, yeah. <laughs> and the Britney song was on. I gave it my hooah. Doobity doobity. What are we doing? I don't know. You're not even trying. Hey, sexy lady. Hey. Hey, hey. Oh, hey. Gangnam style.